welcome to this episode of Turkish TV Time. Today we're talking about The Club, episode nine slash part two, episode three, maybe. Uh, this is the penultimate episode of the series. And basically, I think it's just a lot of like putting people in the right place for what's going to happen in the finale. Um, but we got a lot of nice human moments for most of the cast. So we'll have some good stuff to talk about. Also predictions for what's going to happen next episode, which will be interesting. Um, I have it on good authority that Esme might actually be drinking tea. I am. I'm actually drinking tea. I have like a third of a mug left. We were very wow. worried that this wouldn't start in time for that, but it's, it's <laughs> happening. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> this is, we're going to ride this high for the next like 50 episodes we do in fact we might have to edit this part out because it kind of breaks our streak of not having mm. tea damn it okay okay in case you do that let me say nope i'm out of tea <laughs> <laughs> so you can use that audio instead <laughs> any tea sophia all right me neither <laughs> i i finished my earl gray earlier this week sadly Oh no, it's going to be another six months before you buy some more. And you're going to complain about only having green tea that you <laughs> hate. I do hate tea. <laughs> okay, so now I am going to take us through what happened in this episode. So <laughs> we start with a flashback where uh, Matilda sees her dad and her brother packing cash away into the clock that we've seen in previous episodes. They say that they're collecting money for Jewish refugees from World War II. Um, okay, <laughs> we'll talk about this. I mean, it's fine if they're just hiding money from the tax man, like they don't need to be saints, okay? Whatever, that's what they're doing. And Matilda very sweetly offers her earrings um, the earrings that we've seen several times in this show to help the donations. Then we see, you know, happy reunion between Matilda and her brother Isak. Uh, she makes her brother this fry bread that looks really delicious. And Chelebi like thoughtfully watches the reunion slash has a change of heart, I guess, which Eski <laughs> has been talking about this entire time. But well, I don't know. I have comments, but I guess I'll save them for for the comment section. I guess okay. for gossip section. We'll put a we'll put a pin in that one. <laughs> and we learn that Matilda's brother has no idea that Matilda has been in prison this whole time. That she has a daughter. All of this is news to him. So we're gonna find out how he takes that. But does he, he tell her that she was? Well, sorry. She tells him uh, at the end of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know that she ever tells him about the murder. We just see her telling him about the, um, uh, whatchamacallit, the fact that she told about the money. So I don't know. I'm assuming she came clean. Um, then we flash to Ismet and Rochelle. <laughs> He's brooding and smoking up a storm. She's in pain and doesn't like the smoke. And they seem great. Uh, Rochelle says that they need or Ismet says that they need Rush, uh, Matilda's permission to marry because Rochelle is underage, which, yikes, how old is she? Oh my God. I think we've known 17. she's 17 this whole yeah, time. Yeah, she's 17. Yeah. <laughs> that has just, been I feel like that just brought it into a new light. Like I wasn't thinking <laughs> about it. Um, yeah, if you need your parents' permission to get married, you're getting married too young. I think that's a good rule. So, uh, Selim we get more of Matilda and Isak talking and Isak reveals that he's living in the States and wants Matilda and whoever she wants to bring with her to come with them. Um, and then we learn that Selim is awake. He's reclining in front of a picture of himself, which is just the most perfect thing that I've ever seen. And he's still being a huge baby. Then we flash to Orhan, who has found his mother in their old place. This was, I was a little confused about, but Haji ends up walking in on them. I guess this is part of the complex that all the workers live in. And um, Orhan contemplates murdering our dear little Haji. And uh, luckily he does not. And lies to him and says that he's just like giving this old lady some charity. Then 
Orhan and Selim have a confrontation. Korshat sticks his nose in, classic. And um, Chelebi, Korshat also has a little convo with Chelebi where he offers him 400,000 lira to spy, basically to spy on the operation, which is absolutely insane. I had, haven't converted that yet, I will, but to modern day money, but that's crazy. Chelebi has his, you know, heart melted or whatever, gives Matilda back her ID card, her earrings, and says, you're free, fly free. And Matilda says, like, she doesn't know if she's going to the U.S. because she doesn't know if her brother can forgive her for all the things that she's done. She comes clean, confesses to her brother. He walks out, but we know he's going to forgive her. He seems like a nice guy. Then Rochelle comes and basically just like lectures Matilda and tells her how horrible she is and then asks her for a favor of granting her permission to marry Usmet. So that was absolutely classic Rochelle. Oh, and, and Matilda at this point has um, given Selim a talking to, I believe. So Selim starts writing a song. We get a montage. Uh, Matilda signs off on the marriage. Orhan looks at his kind of like go box or a box of like money and passports. So that's interesting. Then they flash to the date, which is September 6th, 1955, which as we've talked about before is a significant historical date in this story. Um, Rochelle is in a wedding dress, but it's not actually her wedding. I think they're just fitting the dress at this point. And Ismet kind of jokingly, kind of not says, I'm going to get Pagize, I may elope, I might just run out of here. And Rochelle's like, uh-oh. Isak returns, forgives Matilda as we all knew he would and says like, let's go, let's go to the States. I'm actually a fugitive in this country. So that's really concerning for me. And um, then we learned that Kushat and Ali Shaker are working on something together. Not sure what it is, but that's not a pairing that I ever wanna see working together. It's very scary. And we learned that Kushat knows that Orhan's family kind of appeared out of nowhere in 1922 and he clearly knows what is up if he doesn't know the exact story he still knows something's up and he's working closer to calling Orhan out on it then the mom and Rochelle have a conversation I'm going to need you guys to clarify this for me we learn that Orhan uh, that Ismet grew up on uh at the apartment above the grocery store and for some reason this is significant to Rochelle learning that information well, she heard that as a hypothetical story from, uh, oh my God, what was his name? Ismet, from Ismet um, before. Like she didn't realize that that was about his life. Like his, that it was his father's infidelity and that it was him who was the son in that story at his father's throat. Okay. So even though it was like super obvious to us, and I remember this the first time I watched the show being like, wait, she didn't understand that from that <laughs> conversation. I guess she didn't. So yeah, now she's like, OMG. Gotcha. I mean, she knew that he had a bad, like, daddy situation, no? That's, like, part of what they bonded over, I thought, but okay. Yeah. yeah. She learned that that was his story, I guess. Then Ismet goes to get Pakize, the car, and Ali Shakira is there, and they get in a fistfight for no reason at all, except Ismet is feeling broody and hates his father. So then... Haji brings Rachel a gift from Matilda, which are the earrings that we've seen and heard so much about. And Rachel doesn't even thank Haji for bringing them and is like, God damn it, they are really pretty, <laughs> which was funny. <laughs> okay, so then we have uh, Orhan and Kushat have a meeting, basically just more like uh, nuanced wordplay of like, I'm on to you, you should be freaked out, bro. And then we go to Chelebi, who is Again, a changed man, I guess, because he doesn't slap a child that spills something. The child clearly expects to be slapped and is shocked when he's like, oh, it's okay. Well, buddy, you're fine. <laughs> and, and then Chelebi decides to rip up the check from Khrushchev, which is a pretty insane decision because that's just an unbelievable amount of money. <laughs> but good for him, I guess. Can, can I can I say something about the money? So I've been like poking around while you've been uh, recapping. Yeah. Trying to understand 
so I found a website that goes back as far as 1956 and tells you 100,000 or whatever uh, lira, they have like different increments. So 100,000 was the most useful for our purposes. 100,000 uh, lira in 1956 to today's lira. And I know of course that inflation in Turkey started getting absolutely out of control starting in the 90s to the point of where they like, you know, like a million lira was like the equivalent of a dollar sort of thing. Like it was very, like it was a ton of zeros that had to, that then got dropped in the early 2000s. Um, but now inflation again is, is out of control. Even though that's the case, I don't think this math is right on this website because <laughs> it's basically when I ran the numbers. So 1956 lira, 400K converted to 2021 lira which is actually worth more than 2022 lira at the moment but anyway um and then converted the 2021 lira amount to us dollars that gets me to like 229 billion us dollars which is definitely <laughs> not what for that is definitely not right <laughs> so something's wrong with these websites with the, with the inflation website crack investigative journalism that people come to our podcast for <laughs> So I, either either the either the showrunners had absolutely no idea what was like a reasonable <laughs> amount of money to write a check for in the fifties, or um, but I I found this conversion rate on multiple websites, so I'm leaning toward the screenwriters not understanding what four hundred thousand lira meant. That's insane. like it was like like that was billions of dollars. It, yeah, I, I don't yeah I don't I don't fucking know, but yeah. So anyway, That's maybe. Great. Yeah, maybe everyone just pretended it's 400,000 USD, so it makes like a little bit more sense. I mean, that's still like way too much, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so Chelsea rips up a check for multiple billions of dollars, <laughs> like more money than the richest anyone man in the world. has right now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but he turns it all down. <laughs> um. Uh, Selim has uh, snapped out of his funk. He's gotten the band back together. He's written this song and Matilda tells him that she's leaving and that he's like hiding and he's a bad person and whatever. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's true, true stuff, but maybe unnecessary since she's getting out of his life. Then we have a truly devastating scene that's the basis for our history section this week where Rochelle's in her wedding dress, Ismet comes home covered in blood and Rochelle's like, why would you get in a fight on today of all days? And Ismet's like, what's special about today? <laughs> Which oh was God. really just the cringiest thing that this show has ever done. <laughs> uh, that was rough. So Rochelle realizes she's made a huge mistake. And do, 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 do. Selim sings his new song. We get a montage, classic love of montage. And we see that Ismet is pissed and they're not getting married. Rochelle has packed up some of her stuff and is walking along um, Istikal Street or somewhere in Para. And then, oh shit, the newsboy is shouting that Ataturk's house was bombed and somebody throws a rock through a window. Was it at Rochelle? I'm not really sure, but throws a rock through a window very near. No, I, I think because the, the window like had a non quote unquote Turkish name. Yeah. Uh, they said it, it was yeah. an infidel owned shop or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yep, and that's the end of the episode. So much shit to go down in the finale. <laughs> mm-hmm. So now we're going to move on to our gossip slash banter slash spilling Esgi's $20 billion worth of tea section. Two, $229 billion. Oh, Thank you very me. much. <laughs> That's like more money than I'm pretty sure like oh Bezos and, and Musk and all of them have. GDP of like China. Like seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Double check my math. Like do, do your own Googling people. Okay. Um, maybe tweet at us when you find a number that makes sense. <laughs> yes, please help us out. Uh, let's crowdsource this solution. It cannot be $200 billion. <laughs> it just... Yeah, it does not quite, does not quite pass the sniff test, I would say, so. Yeah, that's an insane amount of money. I think they, they just like went and scribbled on a thing, on a check. 
but like even so even if like i just cannot believe that four hundred thousand of any money back in those days would be 229 billion today like that's yeah. just crazy that for anything that's crazy <laughs> uh, also i just get to i mean this is obviously like a bit facetious in a way but like i mean they were probably collecting so much money from the wealth tax like who knows yeah. how much cash this guy has access to yeah that's true Definitely, I would I would definitely believe millions and millions and millions, but yet yeah. 200 pl- plus billion that he can just write a check for out of his other hundreds of billions would be <laughs> hard to believe. Regarding that first part where we have, um, what's his name, Chelebi, like watching Matilda and her brother. My first thought was like, I'm really worried he's going to turn the brother into the police. Yeah. Because yeah. he's also going to take her away from like, take Matilda away because he's inviting her to live in New York. So yeah. I thought that was quite worrisome. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. And what I thought from that scene was that he was trying to find a way to like stop the conversation because he was worried that Matilda was going to say yes to leaving. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't see it as so benevolent, but maybe it's just me with the old Chelebi eyes. <laughs> I oh, mean, it- somebody needs to keep their old Chelebi eyes. We can't all be fooled. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was going to say, like, it's entirely reasonable to assume he's going to do something bad because he's literally been an angel for one episode all of a sudden. So hard to believe. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very true. But also, like, I have a lot of questions. Like, how did Matilda's brother get into Turkey if he's a fugitive? And like, yeah. how did they escape to the United States in the first place? Yeah. And like is the father alive like that hasn't been answered um but i'm really worried about the brother i feel like he's going to suffer some consequence yeah i'm really worried about him also um and i yes there's a lot of questions about that i I don't think we're ever gonna get uh the answers to how the brother and the father escaped well now apparently they're doing a second season so maybe we will (laughs) yeah true (laughs) i mean it's definitely like I feel like it takes a little bit of realism away from the show that the brother and the father survived. I, although I don't know if that was like some people managed to escape. Not, not, not a lot. I mean, the, the camps weren't along, around for super long. They were only there for about a year and a half. So actually most people survived them. I mean, a, 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 I know a couple dozen, maybe more, maybe like two to three dozen died as is recorded probably more than that died but like there there were survivors who went back to their families after um so that didn't strike me so like escaping is a little bit surprising like it would have been more believable historically if they had like gotten out of the camp but then we're just like you know f this we're gonna go leave the country but then like they they should have checked on matilda then yeah that's like, what, that's yeah. kind of horrible like she was mm-hmm. in prison all these years like, yeah she was like feeling this. I think she also felt really guilty because the fact that she, that one of the first things she or one of the things she doesn't want to tell her brother is that she told Mumtas where the money was. Like, yeah, that was definitely something that she was very afraid to tell him. And he's like, well, that's fine. Like, that doesn't even matter that much. Like the other stuff, like, I think was more. Well, I don't I I don't totally grasp if she really told him that she was in jail. I think she doesn't say that. She just says she has a daughter and she named her Rachel after their mother. I feel like I'm I'm working on the assumption that she told him everything because yeah. I, the worst part the worst part of her story was not going to jail. It was like the fact that she told the guy who got them imprisoned yeah so like the jail part is like not that big a deal on top of that yeah well i guess that makes sense but i st- i'm still like a bit confused by part some parts of of it yeah i mean i i like your point about the fact that they never checked on her <laughs> like she kept the same name letters yeah. exist phones exist like wh- what are we doing here yeah and again i don't i don't know like i'm not sure if people see those camps but like i said the camps weren't around super long um so idk i don't know what's like historically reasonable but it's definitely if if they were to walk out there's no reason they should have they shouldn't have checked on her um if they escaped then yeah i guess it makes makes sense for them to have not looked at anything and just like crossed a border but yeah 
Well, well, I don't know where the camps were, but like they were in Erzurum, which is like inner Anatolia, but more toward the east. So it would have been a heck of a. They would have had to walk across the country, basically. Yeah, but not only that, like there, I think it would also not make sense for them not to stay in touch with like. Oh, I forget, I think it was David, the guy who owned the orphanage. Like mm-hmm. he could have easily told them, like Matilda's in a really bad place. Like yeah. I'm taking care of her daughter. Like you could send some money over. Right, that would be right. Nice. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Seriously, they could have been supporting Rochelle or or had her come to them. Yeah. Like, yeah. What did you guys think about the the fact that the money was for charity? <laughs> I think that's believable. There were, there was like a good number of, not a ton, but like refugees from um, actually, you know, Greece's whole like Jewish population was pretty much wiped out. But I think some people were able to escape to Turkey, which was neutral. And then um, the uh, ambassador of Turkey in France, who's actually the father of Ahmed Ertegun, who's a who's a record executive, like a record label executive in the U.S. His father, when he was amb- uh, ambassador in France, helped a lot of French Jews and Jews from other parts of Europe get to Turkey as refugees. So there actually were refugees seeking asylum from the Nazi regime in the 40s um, in Turkey. So it's possible that they actually were going to use that money to, I don't know, for like if there were shelters or something housing them. Um, so actually that didn't strike me as not believable. I'm sure part of it was to like keep the tax man at bay, but um, I, I don't think it was just a story. Yeah, no, I, I think it was true in the context of the show. I just like, I, I don't know. I felt like it was kind of ridiculous. Like it's like, they're still good people if they're trying to hide some money from the tax man, you know, like I, I it doesn't need to be money for charity. Like that's so unbelievably good of them like I don't know it was just a little bit too like black and white for me but yes okay clearly they're very good people we've they've demonstrated that to us many times but like I, I feel like yes but at the same time, like, I feel like it was really selfish for them just to move to the States and never contact Matilda ever again. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. really crappy. True. Like what? They just left her for dead or whatever. And like, they're so like non-perceptive. They didn't even realize that she was pregnant, <laughs> which like the show made it abundantly clear, but I guess maybe just to us, cause like they probably weren't expecting her to be throwing up in the bathroom. I don't know. But like they left her in a really terrible situation. So the idea that she'd be like completely fine and have a nice family by now is pretty ridiculous. Well, that she wouldn't hate them also. Like I feel, well, like she thought they were dead so she doesn't hate them. But like, I feel like they didn't show, like realistically you would be pretty pissed. Like, oh, they're having a really nice life in the States and I'm here like working at a nightclub with my teenage daughter who hates me. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't. Yeah, I think she's just so happy that they're alive and that she has a family again. That that doesn't matter. Because I think part of her guilt was assuming that she was responsible for their death too. So at least there, she's like, oh, they're not dead. <laughs> um, what do you do? You think that anything is going to happen with um, Haji knowing about Orhan's mom? Um, no, just because Kushat observed Orhan leaving from that building. So Kushat, through his own means, already found out that. Oh, oh did he? I don't, I didn't yeah, catch that. He was, he was, he was like tailing him in his car and he oh, saw, he saw Orhan coming out of that room. So, or that, the, the door that leads into that room, I should say. So there's nothing that Haji can really like blab at this point because Kushat knows. But the story did seem like quite believable, I think. Like, yeah. Yeah, especially since Haji like doesn't know Orhan like at all. And he's like a well-meeting dude. He's not gonna yeah. question anything, yeah. Yeah, luckily, because if he questioned something, I think he was gonna get murdered. Yeah, I mean, that's what poor Orhan says. He's like, we have to go because if we stay here, I'm gonna like commit a murder myself. Yeah. But I, I wonder if he's referring to killing his own mother. Uh, no. Oh no, I thought he was talking about killing to protect her, but that's dark. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That could be. <laughs> I mean, that's what I thought because he's like, God, I need to solve this problem. Cause like I No, won't. I think I think he would 
I, personally, I think he would, because he's like fine with upending his whole life um, by moving to Greece or I don't know, an island. Um, so like if he didn't, him wanting to murder her would be like him not willing to leave his current life, which he's clearly willing to do. Yeah, yeah so. I mean, his current life is like very, very close to imploding around him. So I think yeah. he yeah. should be getting well, out like to. regardless of the yeah. mom situation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, whenever Kushat appears, you know that it's your cue to leave. Yeah. Also, like, like not signing anything. He's just like secret partnership. Like, no. No, (laughs) no, no. People, get that stuff in writing. Yeah. Whatever it is, get it in writing. Very important. (laughs) We shouldn't even have to say it on this podcast, but yeah. (laughs) How'd you guys feel about, uh, just to go back to the, like, um Matilda Isak like confession scene when Rashad just like walks up to Matilda out of nowhere to be like well you left out blah 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 blah, 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 blah. as do you know how I feel about that <laughs> that was a very teen thing to do it was kind of a childish yeah. thing to do I was just cracking up at like mostly Sammy's eye rolling that she would have done at that <laughs> I was just completely enraged I was like Matilda refused to give her your signature this is the most ridiculous thing ever yeah oh my god that was so funny <laughs> like where did she even come from I was like where'd you do you have to waddle over here for so long? <laughs> she goes at such a slow pace I don't know how she went undetected <laughs> is that before or after she dumps this guy before, before, before she's before. asking for the marriage uh, contract signature. Only yeah. for her her uh, peachy Smith to forget about the wedding. <laughs> why is today oh. special? Hey, why are you wearing a white dress? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I hate him so much. <laughs> um, what are Krushat and Ali Shekhar working on together? Do we know? The pogrom? <laughs> <laughs> Oh God. They are. They are. That's oh. legitimately. It's to, they're trying to uh, inflame. It's like cons- it's they're shown to be part of the conspiracy to get people riled up um, mm-hmm. in PETA. And part one of the riling up is the not. This isn't obviously just Kushat and Adishika. They're like the local um, shitty like covert ops people. Uh, there was like a at the at the you know at the unfortunately the level of the government there was um again it's not clear it's not clear this is a little bit on the conspiracy theory side but there are uh strong indications that the bombing of Atatürk's birth home in uh Thessaloniki in in Greece um that triggered the pogrom uh or triggered people to start attacking minority businesses in uh across the country but especially in Istanbul um was internal provocation like it was it was there's a there's a significant number of historians who believe that it was um a turkish agent who actually did that to further uh the that the current the the, the turkish government at the time's interest in in seizing more minority property um Mm -hmm. but it's not ever been conclusively admitted or proven or anything the official story is that like a non-Turkish, like, I don't know, a Greek or, I mean, yeah, a Greek who was um, in favor of Cyprus being part of Greece did it as an attack on all Turkish people in Turkey and Cyprus. And then that's what the little kid who's selling the newspaper is yelling about at the end of the episode. Um, and then what leads to, leads to like a random citizen um, throwing a rock or whatever at, at one of the shop windows. So yeah, the spiral begins, the downward spiral. Mm-hmm. Ezgin, who was prime minister at that time? I'm not sure. This was before Mendes. It was, oh no, it was it was Adnan Mendes. That's right, because he got scapegoated for this stuff too. Uh, you know, it, this was part of the, there were a laundry list of reasons they hung him in the 1960, in 1960 after the coup, um, or 1961. Um, and I think this was also one of the items that they were like he did it himself or, or like his policies led to um the pogrom 
So, which may or may not be true. I mean, I think, I don't think it was just him. If, if it was at that, if, if, if it truly was a conspiracy at that level, I'm sure it was multiple government officials, not just one prime minister, but mm-hmm. it was convenient to, after the coup to pin things on one person and uh, yeah, then hang him. It's weird because when I learned about him, they never mentioned anything about any pogroms, obviously. The pogrom like wasn't meant like is wasn't yeah. mentioned until very recently anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have like a overall comment on the show. I feel like um I don't feel like they built up the tension to this moment in a way that makes it understandable. Like I feel like they spent so much time on us learning about each of the characters that I never felt like this, they showed that one like um, anti-independent uh, Cyprus rally, but they they didn't really give us like the environment where people are unhappy, people are angry. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't give us any lead up like hate crime events. Yeah. So I, I just never felt like the environment was like so fraught that this could happen in the show. And I feel like they also really haven't shown us anything about the cultural diversity of the characters since like the second episode like we saw them doing sabbath in like the first episode and since then i don't think we've seen a single hint of their jewishness really i mean they throw in ladino um and also like the foods and stuff um so i don't necessarily agree with that i think like and also obviously orhan's mom is not fully speaking greek mm-hmm. um and Kershaw, I mean, since he's shown up, he's been heavily implying that people are unhappy and things are going to go very poorly very soon for minorities that they, mm-hmm. they don't even realize yet, but things are about to go very poorly. So I, I think there's been pretty significant foreshadowing. I think what would have worked well would have been to do like a flash forward maybe at the start of the second part to show like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the street and ruins and that kind of thing and just right. like how did we get here like I think that would have been a good extra thing they could have done but yeah I think that would have really built the tension or like yeah. show like one business that was destroyed by like an angry couple of youths or something and be like yeah oh, like something yeah. is brewing here yeah well and the other thing with the pogrom i believe was that um the the i mean the gov the you know the mendes administration let's say they they not only uh like not only were it was the uh, was atatürk's um house in thessaloniki bombed by a provocateur but also they bust in um people from Anatolia who were like riled up versus like people in Istanbul mm, so that's part of probably what Ayushikar is doing is like because he already brings yeah, people in job. yeah mm-hmm. um so it wasn't even like necessarily people in Pera or Istanbul who our characters would interact with who were unhappy because they're probably the most used to living among a diverse right. population um versus in the in and and, and of course Anatolia was gradually beginning in the start of the 1920s as, as I think I mentioned in the wealth tax segment, it was gradually sapped of its minority populations. They were brought to Istanbul. So they've been there for like a decade or two already, only, you know, pretty much exclusively in Istanbul. So probably people in Istanbul are like, whatever about it. Um, not entirely, I'm sure, but at least in Peta, you would have to be because it's so diverse. But then, yeah, the people outside of Istanbul, I mean, you tell anyone that, anything to as that was that's an affront to Atatürk's memory was done they're gonna even today obviously get very upset about it so uh back then it was even more um even more pronounced so yeah it was really really a bunch of stuff going on very very kind of elaborate (laughs) conspiracy Mm -hmm. that's very interesting yeah So now we're going to move on to our history section where Sophia, the histress, the head honcho of history, <laughs> and whatever other titles we can think of, will take over. So for today, we're going to have um, a history section on the lighter side, preparing for next episode, which we know is like not going to be a light history section. 
Um, so we're going to talk about doomed weddings um, in honor of finally uh, Rachel realizing that she's making a huge mistake. Now you can insert an arrested development <laughs> little <laughs> gif. <laughs> Just kidding. But that's what comes to my mind when I say a huge mistake. Um, but we're going to talk a bit about some pop culture weddings that were doomed. Um, and of course you can share some with us on Twitter that you can think of. Um, but it, I think it's a pretty common trope, like, you know, from TV, you always assume that like, like, that's funny, but like one time I went to a real wedding and I thought like, what if somebody says like, I object to this wedding, <laughs> as they often do on TV. Um, fortunately it's never happened to me in a real life wedding because I think it would be horrifying. But to get started, we can talk a little bit about some examples from Game of Thrones. We have the infamous Red Wedding, where some of our very favorite characters, or in my case, some of my very favorite characters, um, were murdered in cold blood. You were very a, a Rob Stark stan? Yes. <laughs> Maybe that was when I was more basic. Maybe today I would be less of a Rob Stark stan. <laughs> I don't know. I was a Jon Snow stand, so that's like the most basic. No, but I think everyone was a Jon Snow stand. <laughs> At least by the end of the show, for sure. Even though he was really stupid, but yeah. <laughs> um, and then on Game of Thrones, we also have another doomed wedding, which apparently is called the Purple Wedding. I think Ezgi and I learned that today. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Purple because was... of the color he turns post poisoning. Oh god, that's so. Oh, awful. that's right. That's right. Yeah. I thought it was because the Tyrells had like a purple something. No. Probably that too. I I can't think of what their colors were, but yeah, I'm sure there was some other purple involved. But we have the purple wedding. So Joffrey unfortunately turned very purple. That was something that really made me pretty sick to my stomach. I hate gory. I, I don't know if that's considered gore, but that was pretty gory and horrible. It was, yeah, it was yeah. pretty gory, I think. Like, not blood, <laughs> but still pretty gross. Ugh. But very satisfying. Not something that was upsetting to me at all. <laughs> the necklace that they poisoned him with was purple, too, wasn't it? Uh, I don't think so. Let's, I'll, I'm going to Google. <laughs> Why anyway, so we have two famous Game of Thrones cursed weddings, which I feel like is pretty normal in those sorts of like historical settings, because I feel like that's probably even based off of like real life events when people were forced to marry for political reasons against their will. Mm -hmm. And then we have more modern ones. I haven't You're actually right about the, the necklace, by the way. It was purple. It was an amethyst. Oh, I knew it. <laughs> um so then we also have like for example in the graduate i've never seen it but i know that like at the end of the wedding he like doesn't show up right or something like he i don't know there's like I've never seen it either i've oh, seen no. it but i don't remember anything about it other than the guy <laughs> being like plastics that's all i remember <laughs> plastic need help with our yeah. film education clearly <laughs> yeah definitely and then we have, oh my God, this is a, a very famous dude wedding, the friend's wedding when, when Ross gets married to Emily and he accidentally yeah. calls her Rachel. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and I think they actually do get married, don't they? And then they get divorced like 24 hours later, but they get that married. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bad. I mean, I know Ross and Rachel accidentally get married in Vegas and then oh, yeah. like annul it, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember the Emily one. What happened? Yeah, he he like dates this British woman called Emily. Yeah, yeah, and... no, yeah. I remember, I remember that, but I don't remember if like him calling her Rachel ended it, <laughs> ended, ended it, or if they actually tied the knot for the like, day. Like at the altar, he calls her. Yeah, Rachel. yeah. It's like yeah. when, like, do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife or whatever? And he's like, yeah, Emily, like Rachel, I take you. <laughs> I hate Something Ross. really ridiculous like that. <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> um what other doomed weddings can I think of in my mind right now? On the on the friends vein, there's um How I Met Your Mother, Stella and Ted. Ted gets left at the altar, which is Whoa. what Ted deserves. I think most people would agree. <laughs> but uh she gets back with her ex-husband and they live happily ever after. So good for her. 
but yes, he's left at the altar, doomed. <laughs> well, there's a lot of like hijinks at Pam and Jim's wedding. Also, like he, like her parents find out that she's pregnant, and she hadn't told them before. Um, and I think like Stanley or Kevin lose their shoes, so they have to wear like Kleenex boxes. <laughs> Poor shoes. Hey, when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, Kelly Kapoor, aka Mindy Kaling, decides to wear white because she says <laughs> that it like looks good on her, and that that's enough of a reason to wear white to a wedding. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think what else, like what other Jewish weddings. Um, well, we mentioned at the beginning, we were talking about Christina and Burke on Grey's Anatomy. Uh, he leaves her at the altar for no good reason. I can't remember why, because he's a jerk. And she's very upset about it, even though she shouldn't be. Well, he, yeah. I mean, he was like written out of the show, right? So was that, was that one that happened? Was when he was written no. out? No. Oh, okay. No. So he continued to be on the show after that? Yeah, so long for a ago, bit. I can't remember. Yeah, but I think, he, I think only... he was written out in like the third or fourth season. Oh, oh I think it was the first season, wasn't it? Oh, maybe he had a he made a, he had a homophobic tirade against yeah. T.R. Knight, and I don't think that was like that deep into the show. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Let's see. I yeah, for some reason I had it in my head that it was later. Yeah, he he didn't return at, for season three. Oh, okay, so season two. Honestly, when you get up to like 18 or 19 seasons like they are with that show, like, I don't even know. What yeah, I, I, it's enough. I'm very far behind on that show. Me too. I think I stopped around like four, season 14. But the first couple <laughs> seasons were really great. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, I don't know if you guys ever watched the show Revenge. Yes. Yeah. Which was wild I, I lost track of it at some point but it was so yes. good at the beginning yeah um apparently her and daniel get married and then he shoots her on their wedding night yes so yes oh, i did, yeah, I did yeah. get to yeah. that point of yeah. the show yeah yeah that show was wild they did a turkish adaptation too which was just deliciously dramatic it <laughs> it's actually perfect for the soap opera format for the disney the, format the actress who plays uh, atia played like Emily Van Camp's role. Oh, I like yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's I, it, it's also a classic soap trope in general, like yes. these weddings, where there's like an evil twin that like passes off as oh, you well. at the wedding, or like Ariel and Prince Eric, where like he decides to marry another woman who's technically Ursula with her voice or something. I can't remember. Yeah. yeah huh yeah ursula wears like ursula wears like the shell necklace that she captured ariel's voice in so she sounds like ariel and she like her like she transforms her body to look like a pretty human lady as opposed to octopus drag queen (laughs) (laughs) um i feel like it's a little bit less common in movies because typically in like romantic movies the wedding is the end and it's just like happily ever after oh but Um, remember my best friend's wedding where she like falls for i think that's the one with cameron diaz where like julia roberts is just the cool best friend of the groom and then he realizes that he's in love with her classic rather than like a 20 year old but there's also um yeah go for it I was just going to say that movie didn't age well because like now, like we discussed it when we were talking about uh, the ultimatum, but like it's like a 20 year old saying that she really wants to get married and like it's her life's dream. And I'm like, okay, when I was 20, yeah. I was not like that at all. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Oh, I think a lot of these rom-coms have not aged well. But, no, no, they haven't. Um. We could talk about Love is Blind, though. Shake and... Uh, yes, Shake and Deep Tea, yeah. an absolutely iconic uh, doomed Doom wedding one. scenario. <laughs> well, in oh. season one, Janina and the Trump guy, Damien. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, She, well, like, yeah. rolls down the hill, and, like, it's really dramatic. She, yeah, she, like, loses a shoe in the mud. She's, like, the most dramatic human who's ever been on reality TV. She was unbelievable. 
I mean, Damien was kind of psycho too, but like not, oh, not, in, the mean, same, yeah. not in the same well, way, but like. Then he took Francesca from Too Hot to Handle yes. to the reunion. That yes. was like that pure was psycho. chaos. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and like neither of them, like everyone was like pretending to be dumb. They're like, oh, he just invited me as his companion, whatever. And he's like, oh, she's just a friend, whatever. Like, honestly. And Netflix was like, yes, keep doing this. Yes. <laughs> I wanted to die though in Shake and Deep T's wedding when like Shake realized that like Deep T said no or whatever, walked off. And then Shake was like, yeah, guys, whatever. I mean, we're still going to party. Like, this is still cool. And like everyone else was like wanting to leave because it was so awkward. And he was just like forcing them to like. <laughs> well, also, he was like, uh, guys, I'll be fine. I've got reservations at Nobu yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, oh my yeah. God. Oh my God. He's the douchiest man who ever lived. He's such a douche. Now he has like um like a life coaching business, I think. No, like he's no he's no longer a vet. Like he doesn't practice veterinary medicine oh now. He like exclusively charges, I forget what it was, it's like hundreds of dollars for like an hour of his time to be cons- to consult with him like god help you if that's the help you're looking for oh my god <laughs> no yeah he should just like move to vegas and be a dj that seems like his life's calling yeah he, he does he does like to mention that he's a dj so yeah. he, he sh- like every other dj in existence so he should do that <laughs> no offense to djs in las vegas who might be listening you guys are great that just yeah. seems like shakes ultimate goal in life yes. which uh, he probably won't achieve because you guys are better than him. <laughs> but I stand by my statement that all DJs will tell you that they're a DJ like immediately. Yeah. So if you're offended by that, I apologize. It's just, it's just <laughs> the truth. So now we're going to move on into our favorite and final section, which is what the fuck, Sultan Success, and Fatima's hit list. So WTFs, what you got? Isak going to America. (laughs) (laughs) Agree. But also, um, there are so many unanswered questions regarding that. I mean, Isak has some good luck because uh, America was not letting in a lot of Jewish people at that no. in time. No, so. especially like throw in the whole like, oh, also from the Middle East thing. Like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have one, which is why did Ismet have so much blood on him? This <laughs> fight, like it looked like he had murdered someone with bullets. <laughs> It's true. It was so much blood. They must have hugged it out afterwards. And that's how we got oh, some blood. <laughs> the idea of hugging his dad is so gross. Because there were like <laughs> literally 20 guys there like trying to stop yeah. the fight. So the idea that it could have gotten that <laughs> badly. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. Like, yeah, that's a good one. Um, well, also him throwing the little wedding doll out the window. That was kind of unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. Know? They were worried we wouldn't get it, that the wedding had been called off, I guess. <laughs> but that was before he got home and he saw that she was gone. Right. Yeah, like, it was. It was confusing. I have just, what the fuck, Rochelle's treatment of people, <laughs> Matilda and Haji in particular, who she yells at Matilda and then asks her for a favor and then... Uh, doesn't say like hello or thank you to Haji for delivering her a wedding gift. So oh, classic Russia. Oh, she's nothing if not consistent with she is her insanity. <laughs> it's true. All right, then let's do Sultan of Success. Mm. Who could it be? I mean, it has to be Russia for escaping or maybe um, Matilda's brother for managing to get to america and then to turkey somehow and then to turkey where he's a fugitive yeah right (laughs) he must also work for the cia with diane because he clearly has false name on his papers to get into turkey yeah it's a little bit crazy how like nonchalantly was glossed over the fact that he snuck into a country (laughs) 
<laughs> stuck out and stuck back in. Incredible stuff from Isak. Okay, I like that. He's the soul of success. I, I, I think, yes, he is the soul of success. I would like to just mention Ismet sort of being like a junior cadet sultan of success only <laughs> because he clearly did not want to be, get married or like mm-hmm. be responsible for a baby. So like Russia calling off the wedding or like walking out for him was like great for him because he clearly didn't want any part of that anyway (laughs) that's true and he was able to do it in like a very passive aggressive way like he didn't ever say like I don't want you or I'm not gonna live up to my responsibility yeah yeah he's such a douche yeah (laughs) but he also like felt like there was something inside him that felt that he needed to take on that role and then he just didn't have to do it because someone else did it for him it was so it was so cringe when she like uh Rochelle was talking about her physical pain from just being like highly pregnant um to him being like smoking like you were like you were describing saying smoking like a bajillion cigarettes in a row and being like that pain you gotta get used to it that's never going away <laughs> it's just gonna keep growing and growing and growing and we're gonna collapse under the weight of that pain <laughs> it's like shut up <laughs> like I promise you this many people would not be making multiple babies if it was as awful as you're (laughs) describing (laughs) all of it and clearly you just don't want one (laughs) yeah for sure Uh, okay what about Fatima's hit list gotta be Kushat like always yeah Kushat and also um currency historical currency websites yeah are very inaccurate (laughs) we think Uh, seriously please both of you go and like do some googling after this and let me know what you come up with because i'm i'm i will 100 throw myself under the bus for googling incorrectly (laughs) but and i hope that's the case and not that there's just websites out there claiming that a few hundred k turkish lira is is equal to hundreds of billions of u.s dollars (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Very, very suspicious there. Yes. We, we will report back on that. Yes. Thank <laughs> you. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Next time we'll be talking about the finale, episode 10. I'm so excited to see what happens, even though I think it's going to be pretty dark. Um, congratulations to our Sultan of Success, Isak. We hope you and Diane have long careers in the spy services. And watch out to Krushat. Fatma is coming for you with all of her powers, all of her might. And we hope she gets you before the end of the show. So thank you again for listening. And we will talk to you guys next time. Bye.